From Relay FM, this is Connected, episode 21. Today's show is brought to you by Hover, Simplified Domain Management, and Loot Crate, a monthly subscription box for epic geek and gamer items and pop culture gear. My name is Mike Hurley, and today I'm joined by Mr. Stephen Hackett. Hello, Stephen Hackett. Hello, Michael Hurley. And the glorious return of Federico Vitici. Hello, Federico. Hey, guys. How are you? Happy to have you back. I'm happy to be here again. Um, happy New Year to Stephen. You too, buddy. Because we didn't so. talk. I, I, I said Happy New Year to Mike last week, mm-hmm. but I didn't, I didn't say that to you. So uh, do you celebrate um, the New Year in, in Tennessee? <laughs> we, we, we are aware of it. They um, have a different a calendar. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you do. It's 1945 yeah. in Tennessee. Uh, in mm. some ways, that's not untrue. But uh, yeah, no, it was it was it was lovely. Had a nice uh, Italian dinner actually, and then oh, uh, yeah, then uh, went home. What did you have so, yeah. to eat? I had uh, well, so Italian in air quotes, right? Because Federico's here. But I had I had a lovely uh, ravioli and meat sauce and um, mm. some salad and some uh, some tea. It was good. Mm-hmm. So what did you do at, like at midnight? Did you just stare at the at the OS ten installer? I I was in bed early. Oh, I didn't see them at night. My my idea would have been better. I think probably. Um, I, I think I think I should have gone with what you went with. But I'm old, and staying up till midnight seems impossible. Cool. So yeah, it feels good to be back, Mike. Um, um the last episode was really great. You, you guys did a great job, I think. Uh, 2014 has been a been a strange year for for technology. What do you think we're gonna see this year? Uh, the Apple Watch. The Apple Watch, like J- Jeff Bezos buys a Relay FM. Federico, you sound a little under the weather. I do. Yeah, you sound like you've got a cold. Well, yeah, uh, I I I had one like a couple of weeks ago. Hmm. Are you yeah. still? Did you have a heavy New Year? Like a week later, are you still feeling the effects of New Year? Well, you know, it takes a while to <laughs> to 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 get, to get back to to the usual routine. Um, uh-huh. It's been a let's say it's been a um, not a not a great uh, first week of the year for me, uh, but now it should be getting better. That's um, that's how I like to 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 look at it. One of the unfortunate things about 2015 so far is that we have 100,000 pieces of follow-up. It's um, an entire page in our Google Docs. This, this is the most I've ever seen. So do you want to get okay. started? So we'll get started. So uh, FU number one. FU number at- one? <laughs> you're saying FU, but then you're calling me number one. It's very, it's very conflicted. <laughs> um, it's like you're the best worst person I know. <laughs> So listener Arno, 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 listener Arno wrote in and um, basically asked, do App Store rejections, which we've talked a lot about, of course, matter in the grand scheme of things? So Arno's argument is that while app rejections are like obviously a big deal to us and our friends, that maybe like normal people, it's not such a big deal that, you know, uh, like Federico likes to call them normal people, you know, his, his, like our friends who aren't in this space, like A, do they even use these apps that get like bumped, you know, by Apple. And it, even if they do, like, is it, is it a big deal that these features or these apps are like held back 
because, you know, most people don't really care about things like today widgets that can fire app actions and that sort of thing. So uh, at least my two cents is that I will concede that this is sort of an, uh, a problem that is limited to a, a certain slice of the app store and a certain slice of customers of the app store. But I would argue that it is part of the market that Apple should pay attention to because we do have influence in, you know, the press and that we are the people who Apple needs to buy the watch on day one and who will end up buying the watch on day one more than likely. So while we are a small part of the market, I would argue that we're an important one. I yeah, agree. Um, I don't think uh, normal people, my friends, um, as I call them, uh, I don't think they care about uh, the same apps that we care about. They don't use stuff like drafts or uh, P-Calc. And I mean, there are people, of course, who use them, but it's just on average, I don't see those kinds of, uh, you know, more uh, articulated apps on other people's home screen. Uh, but the fa- like the ignorance doesn't make it right just because uh, the majority of uh, customers on the app store don't use the same apps that we do because we are more tech savvy or we just like to i mean steven you run a website about you know comparing the best apps for for the job uh, so n- because millions of people don't you know they just want the free utility from the app store they don't want the best or you know the the, the more powerful app it doesn't mean that apple shouldn't be paying attention to this problem especially because when they when they have rules and when they don't follow those rules that that's just wrong and when you come up with a stupid exception that's just stupid there's there's no excuse for the stupidity of some app store rejections so if you just if you want to make up rules as you go i don't think that's a great idea i think apple should you know update the guidelines and clearly state here's what we want you to do here's what you cannot do because that's a, a new rule on the app store and I don't think that, you know, releasing new iOS features, uh, just like they did with iOS 8 at WWDC, and then saying, yeah, 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 we have this feature, but you cannot use it because otherwise we're going to reject you. Uh, I don't think that's a great behavior from Apple. And I don't think that's a great strategy. So even if people don't care about this, um, it doesn't mean that Apple shouldn't be, shouldn't be better. And hopefully next year they will be better. I think, like, for myself, part of the problem that I see with this is, like, the indie developers that go through these problems end up being the people that set trends that the bigger apps follow. So, like, if you look at stuff like Portal Refresh or, like, X-Callback URLs, things that are used now by, like, all the biggest apps because they end up setting, like, trends or design features or just standard kind of uh, interaction methods that we get used to, these, these things were all pioneered by indie developers who were pushing the envelope. And if Apple makes it harder and harder and harder for them, it's going to stunt the development of the entire platform. Yeah. It's like you're going against the people who experiment and come up with all the ideas that eventually trickle down to more uh, mainstream software. So... I think it's extremely important to make sure that the people who, like the pioneers of software, always get the best deal, you know? Uh, And that's really problematic, um, you know, for people like us, because these are the apps that that we use and that we love. 
and it's concerning to see a company releasing all these features and then months later, even after approving these apps, coming up with all sorts of exceptions and then you you and, and even that's not necessarily the worst part for me. The the really bad the really bad part about these apps or rejections is First, you approve an app, and then you reject it, and then the following day, because the developer went to the press, you accept the app again. Like it, it makes you, it makes <laughs> yeah. it seem like you don't know what you're doing. That makes really Apple the, look weak. I think. Yeah, yeah, and and when they say because they had this crazy weird <laughs> blog post on the on the developer on the developer uh, blog, and they they were like, uh, remember that the most effective way to appeal uh, to yeah. a rejection is to use the app review board. That's not true <laughs> because when when people went to the press to TechCrunch or other blogs, that was really the most effective way because it took less less than twenty four hours, and there was a blog post from Panic where they said that. Because of these blog posts, we, we managed to get transmit uh, with the iCloud Drive feature back on the App Store. So what you're saying on the developer blog it sounds like an excuse because it's not true. Yeah, it's really weird. I don't know. I like Marco's take on it that, that it kind of sounded like a threat. Yeah. It, was it does kind of sound yeah. like a threat. It's like yeah. a sort of like a, I don't know, it sounds like a Godfather type thing, you know? Yeah. Like, you <laughs> if know? you know it's good for you, yeah. you won't. Yeah. <laughs> Making yeah, you an offer that you can't refuse. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, Phil Schiller's just outside someone's house with a baseball bat waiting for them to come out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And he's like, we should, we should move on. You, you come to yeah. me on the day that I reject your app? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, speaking of app, Store rejections. Our um, Mike's app, sort of. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the wonderful TG tweets had an issue with their icon, uh, and I actually had that thought in beta that he was using the uh, or <clears throat> Mike was using, not Mike was using the Twitter bird and the logo, and apparently uh, Apple rejected it because it was a misleading use of the Twitter logo. And it looks like he's got a new one, at least on his profile. Yeah, some, somebody has saved the day and, and helped and helped uh, Danny out with a uh, a new logo. But I just thought it was interesting. Like, and now our app's been rejected. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So you know, it that sort of thing I can understand. You know, kind of getting close to another brand, but uh, there's definitely silliness. But we we failed as beta testers because we, yeah. we should have been better Stephen failed because i thought about it but then didn't say i just anything. didn't tell anyone it's like oh the um, app doesn't work on my phone but you'll work that out yeah um so uh, there, there's a new icon coming did you guys see the the tweet mm-hmm. from, mm-hmm. from it looks good yeah. i didn't feather. see the icon just saw the tweet it's his twitter it's his twitter uh bio picture oh, the okay. feather the quill oh yes nice. thank you mike it looks good so, uh, on occasion, we have talked about photo management on our show. Hmm. I don't yes. know if you guys have noticed. And, occasionally? Uh, there's a, occasionally. So, uh, FU2 is about photos on iCloud.com <laughs> disappeared for a little while. Um, so, there's a link to, to the Mac Observer. Basically, Apple didn't say anything, and uh, iPhoto was... Or not iPhoto... Photos for iCloud. Is that what we're calling it? Photos for iCloud? Is that what Apple calls it? It's very confusing. Uh, uh, I Apple photo in photos iCloud in the cloud match and in the cloud. and I Done. photo in, in yeah. iCloud in iOS. In the match. Yes. Um, so X. I think 
that's kind of weird, but it's still in beta, right? So if they took it down and put it back up, like, I think that's whatever. Um, but I was going to ask you, Federico, and I, I mm-hmm. meant to ask you when we spoke about this a couple of weeks ago, what does photos on iCloud match tunes? What does that look like on OS ten? Is it Do photos just show up in the iCloud drive and finder, or can you even uh, access them at this point? From the Mac, because the photos for OS 10 app is not out yet, of course. So, like, what what's the experience like on your MacBook Air? Okay, you're gonna hate me for this. Um, I don't know <laughs> because you're not I, running Yosemite. No, no, right. I am. No. I am. Okay. I just didn't. I just didn't bother to look because I, I just look at pictures on my phone and my iPad. You're in front of your MacBook Air right now. So I, go to Finder. W- what I'm supposed to look? Okay, uh, go to Finder. There's no there's no iCloud drive in my sidebar. It's called well, the so iCloud Photo Library, by the way. So do you have it on, Mike? Uh, yes, I do, actually. Okay, so what does it look like if you have... What okay, does it look like I, on the Mac? I have my iCloud drive, and there's no... There's no uh, photos folder. There's no photos folder. There's nothing. Uh, there's um, other apps that I use on iOS and the Mac, but no, no photos. Okay, um, and the chat room is screaming that it's just in the browser, so it's on iOS. Yeah, it's. Uh, I used I used the the iCloud.com uh, web app for um, yeah. w- the one okay. time that I wanted to look at pictures on my Mac for some reason, uh, probably because I, I was in a sort of a Stephen Hackett fugue state. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, wanted, I wanted to look at, my, at pictures, you know, because I mean I'm taking pictures on my phone. Why would I want to? Look at pictures on my Mac. I mean, it's not like I use. Uh, I'm not one of those weirdos that they use like FX to to post processing on photos, whatever. I just take pictures and save them and send them to my mom and my friends. You know, I do, I just don't process photos. What does it mean to process photos? I have no I have no idea what I'm doing with pictures. My my photo library is currently being prepared. Yeah, it's it's preparing itself. My yeah, it's it's, it's currently preparing itself. I don't know what that means. Well, I've just logged I, in, guys. You okay. know when, when they when they show you when the, when they were, when like there's people and they're excited to see, like oh, in this photo editing app you can see all the curves and all the levels, and I have no idea what that means. That excites me. I, some t- yeah, I know, I know that excites <laughs> me <laughs> because sometimes I try to tweak those sliders and like <laughs> I, I mess up every time, and and like like a picture turns all dark and, and gloomy and I, that sucks you know I, I just i don't have any sort of photographic knowledge so i just take pictures and i save them on my phone and that's it uh, so i'm sorry steven but uh, i had no idea uh but it doesn't seem like they're available in the finder okay so i'm looking are, on, are you upset? i've never looked you... on online before and it practically looks just like what it does on ios just a, yeah, there's a screenshot in the chat room from the wizard, and it's just a grid of images. Yep. So we'll we'll add that to the show notes. Michael. Yes. Where could people find the show notes? Relay.fm slash connecty slash twenty one. Wow. <laughs> you were all minimalistic. <laughs> so it's my new it's my new rethinking for twenty fifteen. Is there, yeah. are you uh, this is the new Zen. I wanna I just like. give the people what they want as fast as they can take it. Mm. Uh, yeah, that was really quick. You just really gave it to him fast. Mm-hmm. So uh, follow up number three. <laughs> We're almost halfway there. Yay. Uh, last week during the show, I promised that I would look up our show notes in my virtual machine that r- is running Next Step, but my Next Step VM doesn't have a browser. So if you are out there and you can help me 
install a browser in my next step VM, please contact me because I would like to do that. And uh, to be fair, spent zero time looking into it. But if you want to help me, get in touch. Is that because you failed? It's because I forgot about it again. You really. failed, didn't you? You don't know how to wow. do it. Uh, I didn't look even. I didn't even look into how to do it. But so. you, you don't just know, though. I don't just know. Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> I could do it in, um, you know, OS eight. <laughs> so uh, the next bit of follow up, follow up four, follow up IV, if you will, for doing Roman numerals. Um, Mike, I want to toss this to you about Google and the Motorola numbers from last week. Did you, did you read this link in on the New York Times? No. Okay. Well, there's a link in the New York Times about the <laughs> Google and Motorola acquisition because I think we goofed up the numbers, but it's hard to tell because it's all very confusing. Well, if anybody did, it wasn't me. It was your segment. Nah, I don't <clears> think it was. Okay, well, apparently some numbers are weird. If you're upset, uh, then go read that link, which you can find in the show notes. Thank you very much to whoever sent that in. Yeah, I don't know who sent that in. So oh, I, I failed. You re- follow up IV was just a disaster, wasn't it? It was. <laughs> it really was. I'm really sorry. Um, Should we move well, on? I'm, to sh- I'm sorry for you guys. You sound really sad. <laughs> it's just. It's really coming off. Coming. You know, we're 17 minutes in, and the wheels are just off. It's good. So the next three follow follow ups five, six, and seven are about our show notes in browsers. And the first one is in a homemade browser that uh, Will Richardson on Twitter apparently made a browser when he was 14, and he used it to load our show notes. Can and it you just make well. browsers these days? He did. It's called Meteor uh, version 1.2, and it, the show notes don't load very well, but made his own browser. So wow, that's nice. pretty cool. Did he, make, did he make it just so, like, it for us? If he's 14 now, then yes, but it, I read it as if it were in past tense. Okay. He doesn't look like he's 14. Okay. But um, the next the next couple links, <laughs> it's just so weird. Uh, listener Brian <laughs> loaded our show notes in a browser called 3B, not 3B. Why is it like, 3B? What is 3B that? 3B Rooms. It's let, let it's your what own personal this? 3D space. It's very strange. <laughs> Um, there's a link in the chat room uh, to this. You should definitely go try it out. And th- you guys look up these dropper links real quick. Do you guys look yes. at this? This is it's so weird. This is like Mike. Mike, did you know that the PlayStation Home uh, thing where you're like you control this little human in, yeah. in a virtual space? Uh, the next step is to ask people to do stuff like open the relay br- uh, website in these virtual realities. And wh- why is this this guy wearing a shirt with all these hearts? <laughs> because he loves us. So the first one, uh, screenshot one, <laughs> because is looking at our the connected page, and then or it's our Twitter pages. <laughs> and the, the person is wearing hearts, and I think that's really sweet. Can you, can you walk around while you're looking at show notes? I think you can. Wow. I didn't try to use the product because I didn't want to make my computer explode. But it, but, um, it looks so bad, though. It's really weird. <laughs> can you can you can you jump in the car and drive against the show notes? <laughs> uh, self-driving show notes is big at CES this year. Wow! Yeah, uh, so it's a uh, it's a thing. So that, so that happened. A, well, it looks like it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh my! God. I, I like the I like the the retro interface of this browser. <laughs> um, 
Like, it's there's really some weird. parts of it, like screenshot three. I don't even understand <laughs> what's going on. Like, where is what the is route? that? What is the <laughs> destination know. button? What does it do? There's I a subway button? I don't know. Can, it's can very strange. Can you take Korea Air- into the subway? You can yes. take an airport mm. shuttle to, to and go visit Analog on the next page. Well, there should, there should have been a tube button just for Mike. There should be a tube. Just for Mike. Yeah. So, um, so, <laughs> so the, the last piece of follow-ups from uh, Aaron on Twitter. I'm going to mess up Aaron's last name, so I'm just going to chicken out and skip it. Um, of Relay FM loaded up in uh, Pixelfari, which is... Uh, Nevin Murren's browser that is basically real 8-bitty. So it's like uh, I it's Safari. This. Yeah, I totally forgot about it, but it's super cool. And uh, it basically makes everything look like, you know, Nevin's games are, are in 8-bit. So you have Space Age and the Incident. And so it's kind of that sort of look. And I think it looks pretty cool. And, of course, it, it loads relatively well. There's a few issues in the navigation, but overall it works pretty well. I think it's great. Yeah, I like this. This is cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's um, that's the follow-up this week. Well, then it's probably about time for a sponsor. That sounds good to me. And this week's episode of Connected is brought to you by our friends at Hover. Hover is the best way to buy and manage domain names. It's been my place of choice for years. And when it comes to buying a domain name, it's the first and only place that I think to go. When you're trying to think of an idea for a project or a site of yours or maybe you're looking for some sort of joke to play on a friend hover makes it so easy to look for the domain that you're looking for because they have all of the tod's you expect they have .com .net .co .co.uk if you want it but also some of the new crazy stuff like .diamonds .limo .coffee maybe you want to buy like uh, federico.coffee if you really want that hover is the place you just go to hover.com you just search what you're looking for if it's available you can just go through and buy it quick and easy if the domain's not available they're going to help you with some other suggestions of some other domains with maybe using other TLDs or maybe using a combination of different words and that kind of stuff they have really great pricing on all their domains and they include who is privacy for free as well which is absolutely fantastic so your private information is kept private They have great, fantastic, awesome, super friendly customer support. They have a no-hold, no-wait, no-transfer telephone support policy. They're famous for this, and there's a good reason why. When you call Hover, you're going to be talking to an actual human being. There's no robots. But if you prefer robotic communication or just not to speak to somebody on the phone, they also have great support documents and guides on their website, as well as great email support too. And don't forget Hover's valet service, where they take all of the hassle out of switching from your current provider because they will take care of it for you. They do great stuff like volume discounts, Discounts for bulk domain renewal, they do custom email addresses, and so much more. So go to hover.com right now and try them out. You want to use the code reconnected at checkout, and you'll get 10% of your first purchase at hover.com and show your support for this show and all of Relay FM. Thank you so much to Hover for their continued support of Connected. Did you like the code, Federico? Yeah, it was really, really, really great. Hover is on board with our movie. Clearly. Well, everybody is. Oh, obviously. I mean, yeah, obviously. We already received funding from a big Hollywood studio. Oh, yeah? I didn't yeah, know about did. this. I did. I, yeah, I didn't tell you guys. You oh, know, you uh, did. You got it. All right. Yeah, yeah. As long, yeah, as, yeah. long as someone has it. Yeah, it was like one of those scenes from the, from Entourage, the, the TV show. Never seen it. Oh, yeah. It's really great. Me, me neither. Is that like oh, Star Wars? Oh, come on. You don't get we my ha- pop culture references. That's a, that's a problem. <laughs> I'm sorry. Wait, what show am I on now? Yeah, I'm sorry to be the... Uh, 
All right, so we have some real-time follow-up from a friend of the show, Doug Beal, who's in the chat room. Uh, Doug Beal threw up uh, connected on Emacs 24.4.1. I don't know what that and means. It's, it's very exciting to see our site uh, in black and white and aqua. So that that's also in the show notes now. So that Why is, is now, the logo so big? Because it, we scale it down on this. Oh, I can't. The file we use is much bigger than how it is shown on the website because of programming. Anyways, topic zero, guys. We're going to talk about Hackintoshes. Oh, we're... Oh, wow. Amazing. Okay, topic zero what is... What year uh, is hacking. this? We've got, like, so, okay, Emacs okay. and Pixelfari and Hackintoshes. Like, this is yeah, 2015, guys. Come on. It's, no, it's definitely 2006. Um, so this came up because uh, listener Brian, who exchanged some emails with me this week, kind of asked our thoughts on it, and I thought it was an interesting topic, and I, too, thought it was dead. And then I looked around a little bit, and turns out, trademark, that Hackintoshes are totally still a thing. Just this week, we had um, sort of seren- uh, serendipity. I did not make this happen. But our sweet setup uh, interview this week with Sebastian Green, r- dude runs a Hackintosh. Like, it's inside a Power Mac G5 case, which is, like, big bonus points for me. Um but he runs a Hackintosh. Friend of a uh, friend of mine uh, in real life, Thomas Newton, who writes Egg Freckles, runs a Hackintosh. And Lifehacker of all sites keeps an updated guide on building a Hackintosh. Like people still do this. I don't know why, which is what I want to talk it's, about. It sounds but like you're looking for validation. Oh. Me? Yeah, I, I'm not building a Hackintosh. Mm. Well, not yet. No, not yet. I have yet. no, I have no interest. A... <laughs> mm. That's what all this is about. All this time, <laughs> he's been collecting all these old it's Macintoshes. Like, yeah, look at all these people doing Hackintoshes. And, great and guys, just... huh? Huh? It's great guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he's just winking. Yeah, Hackintoshes, right? What do you no, think? I'm not, we I'm don't not... approve. <laughs> nope. I'm not doing it. But there are a bunch of links in the show notes that if you want to do it. You could do it. I, I like, just don't... I don't understand... Like, I, I totally get the idea of, like, tinkering and, like, I want to build something myself. And, like, there are definitely... Um, like, I, I understand that completely. I think there's advantages to, like, knowing your own hardware, like, on a philosophical level. But it seems like such a giant pile of trouble. I don't understand. This comes from somebody who I have done this in the past. I did it with, uh, I didn't build one, but I had uh, back in 2009, first the HP Mini 1000 and then the Dell Mini 9 running OS 10. The Dell Mini 9 was like perfectly built to run OS 10. It ran Leopard uh, like out of the box just about. So I've done this and I know firsthand that at least in 2009, it was a major pain. Any update you had to like repatch or like change something and, and maybe it's better now, but it definitely... Seems like a lot of work when Mac hardware is not that expensive these days. Like the prices have really come down. You can get something really powerful for really not that much money. Um, so I just don't I don't understand why this is still a thing. Can I just yep. go back on something a moment? Please. Did you sure. say knowing your hardware yes. on a philosophical level? I, I did say that, yes. You did, yes. Okay. I think so it's I- I just wanted to say I don't have to def- I don't have to defend myself to the two of you. <laughs> okay, no, you so don't. Let, let, I don't let know what that defend, means. <laughs> let me defend Steven. I have to say 
that even if I want to, you know, to make fun of uh, his uh, ideas on occasion, I do respect the challenge of a Hackintosh on a technological level. I think it's pretty cool, you know, knowing knowing the all the different components and like how you can make OS X run on a, on a hardware it's not supposed to. Like it's not something that I ever, ever do myself, but I understand why some people want. And I also think that in some countries where Apple prices get like crazy, crazy high for some reason, whether it's taxes or like uh, other fiscal things that I don't understand, uh, I, I think it makes sense to make a Hackintosh. So I would never <laughs> do one myself, but I, I understand and I think I respect uh, like the idea. I think it's pretty cool. I wouldn't say a, con a philosophical connection to my hardware, uh, <laughs> but overall, I think it, yeah. is, it is cool. Do so you feel again, like you philosophically connect to your iPad Air 2? Oh, yeah, totally. See? I understand. What if you could Hackintosh and run iOS? Oh, that'd be weird. <laughs> you know? Uh, yeah, and, and your, your, price, your price point conversation is a good one, the one that I didn't think about because I'm a silly American. I, I don't know. I just thought it was interesting because I looked into it and like people are still doing it a lot. And um, so I thought it was uh, just interesting to, to bring up. I, I don't, I really am not going to do one. So. Okay. Talking yeah. about weird uh, Mac hardware. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we should get into this. <laughs> okay. So, so, so what? tell us, Mike. Uh, along with some other scoops last night, um, Scoop Machine Mark Gurman uh, at 9to5Mac posted a surprising piece um, about a completely new MacBook Air uh, at the 12-inch screen size, completely rethought in the way it's designed with a bunch of different changes like keyboard spacing, uh, using speaker grill fans and a trackpad with no clicking area and just like no uh, no io of any kind really <laughs> just like two holes in the side uh loads of really interesting and uh very surprising changes to push the macbook air further down its uh, you know down its road down it's like eventual road of becoming this incredibly thin incredibly light like incredibly incredibly thin um piece of hardware so we should talk about it. Yeah, okay, can I can I can yeah. I put forward my crazy theory first? Yeah. Please. Is it possible that this is a Mac that runs on on ARM chip? Oh. Yeah, the, I saw some people tweeting about that. I think that's definitely a possibility, especially so this this is a another chapter in a long-running rumor and for a while there's rumors included that it would be fanless. Now you can run like there's Intel Ultrabooks and they run without fans, but I think the ARM thing is definitely a possibility here. Um, and I think that is like part of a lot of other questions that I have. I have nothing but questions about this machine <laughs> at this point. You know, it would um, kind of make sense in a way because it's doing a bunch of other weird things. So it may as well like be so radically different, you know? Like like I don't know, like the Retina MacBook Pro was like did a bunch of really weird stuff because it was so different. And the same as like the original MacBook Air as well. Like there were some fundamental changes and I guess the fundamental change here would be runs on ARM and 
doesn't have any ports except one USB <laughs> port, right? That they're, they're like fundamentally different, and they price them in such a way to like scare most people off. Um, but you know, pricing is a whole other thing. But go on, Stephen. Let's start looking at some of your questions. Okay, so let's start with the the port issue. So according to this rumor, it's going to have a headphone port on one side and a USB C. Which if if you're not familiar, you should look at this link. Uh, USB C is actually really similar to a lightning connector. It's reversible. It's really small. And according to these images, it's the only port on the machine. Now, I didn't even think about it until uh, Chuck Skoda on Twitter earlier, or just a little while ago, was like, Apple Watch has magnetic charging. Why wouldn't this have some sort of like snap-on magnetic charger? So like, maybe that would be good. Like, I don't want to have to unplug something to charge my computer. Um, but one port, even if like charging isn't through that port, which USB-C could ch- could charge a machine like this, really pushes this into iOS territory in in the IO, you know, like an iPad has one connector and a headphone jack. Do you know I hadn't really thought of that? That hadn't crossed my mind. The Apple Watch angle? No, not that that, that it's that it's an iPad. It's what an iPad has. Like it's yeah. you don't plug anything into it. Like you just don't do that. Hmm. Yeah, it's um do you reckon that, I mean, this is another thought that I'm just having randomly. Do you reckon sure. that, like, the charger would have I.O.? So, the again, think looking at the iPad, the iPad has a HDMI, like, adapter. So you can, instead of AirPlay, you can plug HDMI right into the iPad. And that adapter has a lightning, it had a 30-pin, now has a lightning connector on it. So you can charge and get H, get power in and HDMI out at the same time. And that definitely leads to questions of dongles or docks or what, if this thing only has one port, you know, even on a a MacBook Air, but especially on a MacBook Air, but even on a MacBook Pro, like my bag is full of dongles. I have Ethernet, FireWire 800, you know, um, VGA, DVI, like all these things because I'm out and about and my MacBook Pro basically just has USB and (laughs) Thunderbolt um, and HDMI, but even then I'm, I'm adapting all the time. So to a degree, I think Mac users are used to this. But the the alternative is, and I wrote it in all capital letters in my show notes of OMG PowerBook Duo. Like what if what if this thing does come with a dock of some sort that you can put in your bag and it has all these ports? I don't think Apple's going to do that. I think it's like the worst idea ever if they do. Like I need to I need to I need to hear Apple's if this is true. I need to hear the marketing because like. One port is is crazy making. Like, like for example, for me, like I have uh, my my keyboard that I use because I use this the Microsoft keyboard with the hole in the middle that I can't remember the name of now. Um, I have to plug a little USB dongle in for it to work. I yep. don't know why. I don't know why they can't use Bluetooth like everybody else, but you have to use this little dongle. Like, so I wouldn't even be able to use my keyboard if I want to charge, right? So that's let alone, like, maybe I want to plug in my iPhone. Maybe I want to plug in anything, like a hard drive. The idea that I would then have to take, like, a dock in my bag kind of undoes yeah. the idea of portability. Like, laptops are portable. I, I totally agree. So having to carry yeah. around more so I can use my portable machine, kind of the whole point, like, all you're doing is taking the weight that you're taking out of the machine, right, and adding it into something you have to carry with you anyway. So what's the point? And I get that, like, 
If you're on a plane, it might be fine and it makes it awesome for that and you plug it in. But I don't think that, I think that's too narrow, like narrow in the thinking. Like a laptop you take to the coffee shop or you take downstairs or it's just the idea is you move it around. And if I have to carry around a bunch of cables and a dock with me just so I can have two USB ports that I can use whilst I'm charging, I, I don't know if that's, if I would want that. Like I can't see why I would want that. Yeah, and, and 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 maybe the marketing angle is, hey, this thing gets crazy if it's on arm. Maybe this thing gets like all day battery life or two day battery life or yeah. something insane. And so Apple's argument is, you don't need. I mean, if you need to like sync your phone, lol, you don't need to do that anymore. Uh, if Steven needs to sync his iPod Classic, he can do that. <laughs> but you know, he doesn't need to really like carry a charger around around with him. But that I agree with you, Mike, is sort of thin reasoning and. It inevitably, like these machines, if this is true, like people are going to be carrying around a lot of extra stuff potentially. And I, I don't know if Apple like wants people to do that or not. Um, but like then, I it, think I think this is like our version of the removal of the zip drive or like the removal of the exactly, floppy drive. Yeah. You know, it's just yeah. But like I know, but every <laughs> power single and time, USB at the same time is sort is important for like a lot of things. Yeah, but this, it, you know, it's that idea that like. If you know the the idea being, if you think about previous times, is Apple has a vision for where they want to take machines, but first they have to have the first one, and then from that they change the way that we use our computers, right? That, if you think about it in those terms, like if you look look use hindsight, right? Th- this might be that one. So we look at it as being crazy, and I'm like f- setting my hair on fire and running around my room because. I see them having one USB port, but it's just the same as everything else that they've ever done. But, you know, it, but it, so it's hard to see right now. But, you know, I mean, I hope that they're not, I mean, yeah, I hope they're not just hobbling the machine because they want to make it really thin and really light. You could put two on this. You could put two. You could put two, right? Yeah. <laughs> there could be yeah, two. Yeah. <laughs> At least. I would imagine that if this is real, there's got. I mean, uh, there's got to be two. Like the ports just don't sit. Don't sit right with me. There's nothing. I can't think of a single advantage except thinness and lightness. But if you already have the bus and everything, one more port is not. Shouldn't it be a big deal? What What's also interesting about this machine, I think, is the size. So not the thin necessarily, but the fact that it's a 12 inch model that that raises a lot of questions. You know, Apple sells an 11.6 inch MacBook Air. I just bought one for my wife last month. And I will say, compared that machine compared to this mythical MacBook Air, the new one looks so much better. Like the 11 inch MacBook Air doesn't look good. Like no, the bezel is ugly. The bezel is humongous. Um, and it's like 16, the ratio of the screen is weird. So it's really short and really wide. Um, but I tell you what so, I like about this, though. This is a 12 inch laptop, like 12 inch screen laptop that's smaller than the 11. Does his thing say that? Yeah, the physical size is a quarter of a... Is it a quarter or three quarters of an inch smaller than the 11-inch? Yeah, and and they're doing some things that um, harken back to the 12-inch power book with like the, the full-width keyboard. Um, it's definitely something that was on the 12-inch power book. It, like, a lot of things about this machine are really interesting to me. But um, going back to the size thing, so is Apple going to sell a 11-inch MacBook Air... A 12-inch, like, MacBook Air 2, and then a 13-inch MacBook Air. Like, I don't know where this fits 
in line with the rest of the products. And my my thought is, and we can surely argue about it, that if this has retina, which Gurman doesn't say if it does or not, but if it does, I think this sits in between the current MacBook Airs and the MacBook Pro. So you have the non-retina 11 and 13. Maybe their names change to just MacBook again. You have this machine in the middle, if it's retina, and then you have the Pros. That That makes sense to me with the current landscape. What Can about, I ask what you guys, guys a, qu- a question? Um, yes, sir. Because I really don't understand. What's with the obsession of making laptops thinner? Because, I mean, I kind of get it on a phone. I kind of understand it there because uh, a phone is something that you that you hold in your hands all the time and therefore having a more comfortable physical size really helps. And I understand the argument for lightness in a laptop because you're carrying a laptop all the time, so it's important to you know to to make it light. But the crazy obsession with thinness uh, at the expense, possibly because this is a rumor, so we're speculating here. But at the expense of battery space, of um, I/O, of you know all these other compromises in this rumor, is it really worth it? Uh, because w- just one port for for the power adapter sounds crazy to me, like totally crazy, uh, on a completely different planet than removing DVD and, and you know, uh, that other stuff that Apple does. But making it, like, so thin that... I mean, the, 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 I have a 2011 MacBook Air, and I still think it is crazy thin. Am I wishing desperately for a thinner MacBook Air? No, but also I should note that I don't use my MacBook Air that much. Hmm. But still, I mean, is it really necessary to compromise everything that a Mac is great for? So having ports, having uh, more battery battery life than than a phone or an iPad, is it really worth it just to to be crazy thinner? Because it looks to me like a demonstration of... uh, finesse of uh, of look how awesome we can make our macbooks so thin and light but do people really want that crazy thinness i, I mean i agree with you federico and it's the same argument we had with the iphone 6 like if they kept the you know the thickness the same as before like what does that mean battery life wise I, I see it more like it makes more sense to me on a mobile device but a 12 inch laptop you can carry Really, in just about any bag, you can carry it very easily with you. And if Apple is trying to make a, a super portable Mac, weight is a huge factor there. You know, I moved recently from a MacBook Air to a MacBook Pro, both in the 13-inch um, class. But the Pro is heavier and the Pro is thicker, and I do notice that in my bag. And so if this is all about portability, and they can still get good battery life. Like, there's no way this thing gets worse battery life than the current MacBook Air. Apple very rarely moves backwards in terms of battery life. So clearly, they've been able to figure it out. And again, maybe that's ARM. Maybe that's that. Maybe it's not Retina. Maybe it is. I don't. There's still too many unknowns. But I, I do think that the battery life. I just don't see them moving backwards on that at this point. I think I think like the the thickness argument. Like if you're going to make it lighter, you're taking stuff out or you're making components smaller, so you end up with more space. So you may as well make the case thinner, right? In theory. Um but also like it is the 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 traveling thing as Steven said you put it in a bag, right? And it takes up less space in your bag. But also like 
a super thin computer is a real marvel. Like, if you have, like, I remember, like, the original MacBook Air, right? It was like, what is this thing? And people buy it for that, you know, because you pick it up in the store and it's like, this is like thinner than a book. This is crazy. This is a computer and it's, it's a good marketing tool. It's the same reason they make the phones thin, like, because they, they, they keep making them thinner because it looks good on the posters and, you know, because you can get the, you know, it's hiding behind a pencil. Wah, wah. You know, it's like, it, it looks a good. Laser it's, cut pencil. It, it's sellable, right? It's sellable. Mm-hmm. It is. And the, the original MacBook Air is, is, of course, a really good way to think about this, this computer. You know, I, we talked about it last week or a couple weeks ago in our Q and a that, you know, I had one for a short period and then got rid of it because the, the performance was so bad. And on the original MacBook Air, that had everything to do with, like, they used an iPod hard drive. And turns out running OS X on an iPod hard drive is miserable. Um, but, you know, I remember when they, I remember the keynote that they announced the MacBook Air in, and a little flip down door, and it had uh, micro DVI. It's the only Apple laptop to ever ship with micro DVI. So, again, in the world of adapters, like, if you own a first gen MacBook Air, you have this adapter you can never reuse. And I remember thinking, like, oh, my God, they have one USB port? Like, what are you thinking? And, of course, they rectified that later on. But it, the world, like, the world dealt with the MacBook Air, and a lot of people really liked those, that first-gen machine. And, like, what I think this will be, that first-gen machine came with a hefty price. You know, now the MacBook Air is the base machine. It's the bottom of the tier. It's the cheap one. But that was not the, not the case when the original MacBook Air came out. I don't remember how much it was, but it was significantly more than a MacBook. And so maybe maybe this machine is following that trajectory that, yeah, like, there's trade-offs here, but you're making those trade-offs to, to make your bag light and to keep a computer thin. And if that interests you, and we don't have the performance problems of yesteryear because we're on SSD and, and even, you know, we've, we've made great strides in, in heat consumption and all these things, then maybe this machine is like the fulfilled promise that the original MacBook Air couldn't deliver on. So to go back to the pricing discussion, the question that you asked a minute ago, like where does this sit in the line? I think that this this device, no matter whether it's cheaper or, or, or more expensive, will sit outside of the MacBook Air line in the same way that the Retina MacBook Pro sat outside of the MacBook Pro line. You know, it was like you went to the store and it was like MacBook Air. Or like, so MacBook Pro would be like, MacBook Pro with Retina display. I think it'd be like right. that. You've got MacBook Air and yeah. then MacBook Air with X or 12 inch right. MacBook Air, you know? Um, yeah. I don't and the think... Retina displays were more. Like those machines yeah. were more. They sat above the line and then slowly, I don't think, I don't know, I don't think you can buy a non Retina MacBook Pro anymore. I think they're all gone, but um, slowly took over. And I think you're right. I think that probably makes a, a lot of sense, Mike. I think this will be more expensive, by the way. I think so, so can too. I. Can I uh, ask you another question? Because I, I'm, I, I like uh, you guys know that I'm not so into Macs lately, but this is fascinating to me. Um, c- can we, if this rumor is true, that's always the the basic uh, introduction here. If this is true, can we extract some theories about the future of OS X from this type of MacBook? And I thought of two. One is that without uh, many USB ports, uh, I think people will rely even more on AirDrop and other uh, Bluetooth and Wi-Fi transfer solutions for files, especially now that it's supported on iOS and OS X. They can exchange files between the two of them. 
And the second one is that with a, with a large trackpad, multi-touch gestures are still going to be a thing on OS X. Is there anything else that we can uh, assume about the... Because, I mean, a MacBook, it's cool, it's great. I mean, it's thin and, and it's got this new keyboard. Okay, well, whatever, right? I mean, it's it will be amazing hardware, but how does it affect the software if this is yeah. true? Well, I think there's even some going the other way that we've all said, everyone has said, Yosemite looks better on a Retina display, but they sell a boat ton of MacBook Airs. And so I think this can address, I think the software maybe points to this even in that way. Um, and we should say before we move on that you totally can buy a 13-inch MacBook Pro with no Retina display still. It's it's still uh, on sale today, which seems silly, but it's 1100 bucks. So spend the extra $100 and, and go Retina, I guess. But um, yeah, I think, I think that's really interesting to think about, Federico. And I, I think AirDrop is definitely a big part of that again with the original macbook when air it works. You know, yeah well <laughs> there is that um on the original macbook air in that um keynote there's a slide uh, that has a picture of an optical disc and just one word why over the top of it and it in that keynote as well apple talked about uh, streaming and that you could re-download purchases from the itunes store and they built the case that optical media is dead this is the first computer we're shipping without an optical drive, and you don't need it because we have all these other things. And I think this machine can follow in those footsteps and say, you know what? Uh, your iOS devices already don't need to sync with iTunes anymore. If you need to move files, sure, if you need gigabit Ethernet, here's an adapter. But if you don't need it, you just need AirDrop or peer-to-peer -peer wireless, it's already built in. So you don't, you don't need all the stuff that nerds want to hold on to. Okay, how about this? If you can allow me to interrupt you, Stephen. Now that we have iCloud Drive, and now that we have iCloud integration in mail, you need fewer ways to exchange files with other people physically, and we're going to make iCloud Drive more like Dropbox, and you can easily store files in iCloud Drive and share them with people with a, with a simple link instead of putting them on a USB dongle and giving the USB dongle to somebody else. So... Can we, I think, I think it's, I mean, I'm not sure. I think it will be crazy, but if the rumor is true and, that, and the, if Apple is crazy enough to really do this, I think that it, it's, it's not too crazy on our, on our end to assume that they're going to do some sort of new file store exchanging features, whatever. I, I think removing the, removing the physical components means, because people are not going to uh, stop sharing files, of course, if you take away, when you took away the DVD and the CD drive from people, they didn't stop using files, they just moved the files from the from the CD and the DVD to the USB. If, to if you take USB away from people, those files are going to be used anyway, just in a different way. So does this mean that Apple is going to rely even more on sorting files in the cloud? And if that's the case, is the cloud iCloud drive? And if that's the case, again, does it mean that iCloud Drive is getting new sharing features? That it did. It got it got it got mail drop in Yosemite that I can yeah. email you a file of almost any size, and it's using iCloud Drive in the background to move it. But you still cannot create a shareable link just to iCloud Drive, like you can in Dropbox. But this is what I was saying before about like Apple creating a project that like paves for the future. Yeah. So yeah. they say like. We want to do this. We need this device to do this. 
this is the future, but it starts here. So they, they that's why I think it's priced high. Like, I don't, you know, there's there's conjecture over whether it costs more, costs less, like whether that's why they're doing X, Y, and Z. I think it's priced high because this is not a device for everyone because they are making some serious, like, because I think, you know, there'll be all crazy things it will do. It will run hot, right? <laughs> because yeah. there's no fans and it's going to run hot, right? And they think that it won't, but it, you'll, you'll get weird stuff that happens with it. There's probably some things in there that, that maybe we don't even know about yet, which are like super weird. Maybe the battery isn't any better than the MacBook. You know what I mean? Like maybe it's just like, well, we're doing this now and then over the time it will get better and better. Or like, you know, it will turn out like, and it runs on ARM. And by the way, you know, everyone needs to recompile their apps. It's like, you know, you you don't know what these kind of things are going to be like. Stephen, tell me if what I said was completely dumb. About the about the ARM thing. You probably no. use some verb in a, in a, yeah. in a strange way. No, but we like, will get follow-up. All right, so let me ask this question then because I just thought how I said it, I'm interested in it. If, if Apple use ARM chips... Do people have to recompile their apps in the same way that they did for Intel? They'll, there would need to be some sort of fat binary system, like the transition from PowerPC to Intel. I mean, there will be a transition because Intel code won't run natively on ARM. Right. But- so that's the other thing, right? If this is that this is an ARM device, then you know it's like it's going to be the start of that transition device potentially. So I don't know. I don't know, but like my my point is like this is a I see this as like the original MacBook Air and like the first Retina MacBook Pro. It is a future facing device that Apple will price yes. a, a, accordingly. Does does the Mac um, do backups in iCloud like you can on iOS? No, no. So maybe that's another possibility because if you take away USB, what about you know Time Machine and I don't know. Just thinking that. Yeah, but I you think can, Mike you can is do, right. You can do time machine to like a time capsule, like a wirelessly. Like, yeah, you, they're not gonna. I, I can't ever see a world where Apple allows you to uh, back up two hundred fifty six gigs of storage to the cloud. <laughs> yeah, it's never gonna happen. It's just too much. It's just. It's oh, too, never say never. Never uh, say never. No, it's never gonna happen. And the reason I say yeah. that is because. There is never a world in which that becomes affordable because as Apple get the ability to store more and more, hard drives just get bigger or like SSDs just get bigger. So like they they move along together. That's the, that's my theory on that anyway. Yeah, but I think um, the idea of like iCloud backup on iOS and the Mac is just fundamentally different. I mean, you can restore from iCloud on iOS, but it's not definitely not the same as like a Time Machine backup where you have history and versioning and all these other things i don't know i don't i tend to agree that i don't think apple's going to do that and even if they did i don't think i would use it but um yeah there's there's lots of questions but i think overall i think we're in agreement that this this machine if it's real if this is what it is it's definitely going to move the bar you know move, move things forward in the notebook space in a, in a big way So what do we think? Is this is this happening? Like does this seem does this seem feasible? I think it yeah, does. I think it does. Do we want to talk about mm. the timing at all? Uh, no. Did you I see mean, I, did you, did you yeah. see the post that we had on Mac Stories today? I did. I I did and I and I linked to it, but there was a bunch of arguing about that on Twitter and I don't think Apple leaks things in nine to five Mac on purpose. Um I could be wrong, but I don't see this being Apple PR speaking through Mark Gurman. 
I don't see that either, but what I do see is like there has been no other Apple news during CES week and that would be breaking a multi-year trend. So I don't know. Like I don't think that they would they would go to to Kerman, right? But it is still weird. Of all people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it is still weird because there's that they haven't done anything else and that is the way Apple has operated for years. So I don't know what I think about it. Yeah. Right, we should we take know, a break? So. Yes. Should. This week's episode of Connected is also brought to you by Loot Crate. Loot Crate is a monthly subscription box service for epic geek and gamer items and pop culture gear. For less than $20 a month, you get six to eight items that include licensed gear, apparel, collectibles, unique one-of-a-kind items, and so much more. With the start of 2015 upon us, we wanted the Loot Crate wanted the first crate of the new year to celebrate the geek and gaming icons of the past. Join them as we rewind and look at exclusive items from Star Wars and Voltron. That's not all. Loot Crate are also bringing some epic geek apparel, including an exclusive and licensed shirt, so you can kick off the new year in style. Finally, get ready to decorate your desk with an awesome retro gaming-inspired mashup figure. You have until the 19th at 9pm Pacific to subscribe and receive that month's crate. And when the cutoff happens, that's it. It's over. So head over to lootcrate.com connected and enter the code connected to save 10% on any new subscription. A couple of things else I want to mention about Loot Crate. They ship to over nine countries and they have more information on this site about those, but it includes the UK and US and Canada and many more. Loot Crate guarantees $40, over $40 of value in every single crate, and sometimes it's a lot more than that. And previous crates have included items from franchises like Star Wars, Marvel, The Walking Dead, The Legend of Zelda, and many more. So go to lootcrate.com connected and use the code connected to save 10%. Thank you so much to Loot Crate for the support of this show. All right. So it's a new year, and lots mm. of people do new things in the new year. But um, mm-hmm. Federico, you've got some things in here that you're currently trying. What's mm-hmm. uh, what's cooking? So every year, um, after I recover from the New Year's Eve uh, night, I sit down, and it used to be at my MacBook, and now it's at my iPad. Um, but I try to understand whether the software I'm running is still the best uh, for me. So I try to use the, the occasion of a new year to, uh, to reevaluate some apps, some services that I, that I pay for. And I've been doing this for like three or four years now, and every year I discover something new. Uh, it's like those people who, who like move furniture around, you know, just to, see, just to see if maybe there's a better option. I know my mother is one of those people. And instead of moving furniture, I sign up for new web services. And so uh, I, I saved uh, four, I think, four of these new apps and services that I'm trying. So if you, if you guys want, I, can, uh, I would like to, to discuss this with you. I want to hear it. Okay. So uh, the first one that I wanted to, to you know, just to, to take a look at, not just because maybe it will turn into a Mac Stories article, but just out of personal curiosity was whether Instapaper was still the best uh, read later app for me. Uh, I have a complicated history with uh, read later apps. I used Instapaper for years. Two years ago, I switched to Pocket. 
then from Pocket, I switched to Safari reading list, but I was missing Instapaper's text features too much. And so just I all, all features, just... <laughs> all, yeah, uh, but especially the, the, you know, the text presentation and the, and the friends network. I don't, like, I know this is going to sound really bad. Um, like, I don't care about... Um, I'm trying to phrase this in the in the last in the list uh, uh, in the way that it will have fewer consequences for me. <laughs> I don't care about. Uh, Just say it. Say it. I'm not a typography expert. Okay, you don't. <laughs> you don't care about fonts, is what you're saying. No, no, not. Like I don't. <laughs> what you're saying? What he is... was afraid of, you just did, <laughs> <laughs> Mike. Hey, buddy. So, okay, I'm not one of those people who spends time adjusting the margins and the font weight, the font size, and I want to have this serif and sans serif. Like, not because I don't care, because it's like I'm arrogant. It's just that um, I don't understand, and I don't, and I don't think. Uh, my, um, like the way that I read requires uh, these settings. It's like those people who taste wine and when they drink wine, they want like the advanced glass because it's better for the type of wine. You know, I, like, like I, I don't understand. I just use a normal font. Uh, anyway, I don't know what normal means. It's just the default one usually. Um, Helvetica. Yeah, probably. I don't know. Uh, no, I use the serif one, the one with the little, uh, with the little mm, details, you know. Um, so uh, last year, I was missing Instapaper's features uh, too much. I switched back. In the past few months, after putting together my must-have um, annual roundup for, for the apps that I use, I was wondering whether is Instapaper really the best for me because I love the app. It's just, you know, I, I think it is my... Uh, it is 50% my duty and, and uh, other 50% my curiosity to see what Pocket has been doing. So I asked on Twitter uh, about, uh, you know, uh, what are you guys using for uh, read later apps? And I received, I think, like 300 replies. And they were fairly evenly split between Instapaper and Pocket with a few people using readability. Uh, it appears they are still around, and Pinboard and Safari Reading List and other apps that I don't know, like there's one called uh, Reading Pack, I think. Um, anyway, most people were using either Instapaper or Pocket, so I was surprised actually to to see, uh, I, I thought that people who followed me uh, would be more uh, inclined to use Instapaper, uh, but half of those people actually use Pocket, so I was like, okay, I, maybe I should try Pocket again. So I've been trying Pocket. I paid for a premium uh, premium account myself because I wanted to to get the full experience. You know, when I, when I when I try all these uh, these new apps, I I want to go all in, so because I want to understand. And I and I and I gotta say. Um, I, I kind of like it. Uh, like the first week, I thought it was a, it was a placebo effect, you know, because I, uh, this is new, so it must be it must be better, you know. Uh, like when you move furniture around again, it it, it always looks better because it's new. Uh, but I've been using this for a couple of, for a couple of weeks now. Yeah, happy to say <laughs> this never gets old. <laughs> uh, this is awesome. Uh, so this has been, I think, week two or week three, the beginning of week three, maybe. Uh, I I think it is pretty good. Uh, um, the text parser is much better than Instapaper. 
I'm, I'm seeing less uh, weirdness in the way that Pocket uh, parses articles on the web. Like it supports uh, captions for, imagine, for images better. Uh, and in general, it's got less, uh, like less craft uh, in, in, the, in the text and, and uh, uh, like the way that articles flow in Pocket, it's less weird. It's not perfect, it's, but it's less weird than Instapaper. And I think that the presentation with images and like, like Pocket as, as a grid, like with previews of, uh, with photos and, and thumbnails for videos, I think it looks fantastic. Uh, and, and in general, I know this is gonna sound weird, um, but it seems that Pocket has been moving from a read later solution to, to a more, like a strange mix of, uh, it's both read later and like a bookmarking service. Uh, because there's uh, this thing called Pocket Premium, which which I don't see many people talking about. Uh, but it's a like it, it's a basically a permanent uh, storage solution for your uh, Pocket uh, archive. Uh, it archives web pages, so you can all. It's like the Pinboard. Uh, what is it called? Like a archival account. Uh, it creates a, an offline copy of a web page, and it also gives you advanced. Uh, search options and the ability to automatically assign tags to articles. So it's basically bookmarking features into Pocket, and you pay like fifty bucks a year, uh, and you also ensure the you know the the usually the usual stuff like you support the service and you make sure that that it's going to be around in the future. So what I'm doing basically, and this is gonna sound so confusing and so like people are gonna be what. Um, I'm using Pocket what? as both a read later and bookmarking system. So you're not using Pinboard? No. What? At least not in the past couple of weeks. Okay. Because I, I, like, I go, I, I really go into these rabbit holes sometimes and, and I question everything about myself. And usually that everything is about <laughs> software. And I don't know, this is going to sound um, unnecessarily um, epic. To people, but I do question. Uh, I do question everything because I, I want to. I want to understand what I do. Um, so yeah, I've been like you know. You know, I told you. I told you. You two, um, my my fellow podcasters. I told you that I use Twitter faves a lot. Like like whenever I see a link that I want to read or you know view in the future, I just give it a star. And since I started using Pocket, I actually just send everything to Pocket. So I'm using the, the favorite feature uh, just for actual favorites, like tweets that I like or that make me laugh. And it's usually stuff from mm. Kyle and Joe. Um, I actually use faves for faves and Pocket for links. And it's both for articles that I want to read, but I actually also saved like tutorials uh, and Python stuff into Pocket. So this is interesting. I, I want to see how it works out for me. Two things that I don't like. Um, it, it, when, whenever you share an article, it shares the article with a short link. Uh, so I had to put together a, work, a workflow to, to resolve the link and, and uh, use the original uh, link of an article because I don't like using the pocket.co uh, short links. And it doesn't have highlights. I'm kind of missing highlights from Instapaper. I, I wasn't a huge user of, of uh, highlights, but I do like the idea on a, on a, like on principle, I want to be able to easily highlight text that I like. 
so that's not in pocket. Uh, we'll see how it goes. Uh, I, I'm optimistic because I, I think it's it kind of different, uh, and and I wouldn't be. Uh, I wouldn't be too sad to to, to just move from a, a dual system of bookmarks and read later to just one system that sorts everything for me. Search is also pretty awesome, uh, but it's too soon. Yeah, to I mean, I'd, I've looked at Pocket. I looked at it last year for a little while, and sort of what you led with is why I stay with Instapaper. I just, I just really prefer the reading experience, but I think overall both are in really good shape. I think... Betaworks has done a really good job with this paper, and I think Pocket's made a lot of advancements. And so it's it's good to have competition. And um, yeah. I, I I definitely use Instapaper kind of the way you just talked about using Pocket, where it's not just read it later stuff. Sometimes I use Instapaper, even though I have a pinboard account, just to stash something away or like, hey, I'm going to link to this this afternoon and just stick it in Instapaper, um, which isn't you know not not great and leads to some noise in there, but. Um, the key is, you know, what what works for you. So, <laughs> I, I miss the the Instapaper friends uh, section a lot. I I really like uh, to see what like what Steven or Marco or uh, Micah. I don't think you share stuff on Instapaper <laughs> probably because you don't read. Yeah. Um, so I do. I like to see it handles what Steven... videos just fine. <laughs> I just saved. I mean, there are all the videos are on YouTube anyway, so I just use the YouTube watch later function. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Uh, we don't yeah. believe you, Mike, but anyway. Um, so, so what else is getting turned inside out for you, Federico? So I have a, a, an RSS problem, and, um, uh, and I realize it's, a, it's, a, it's an issue. Um, I, I, I keep switching between RSS clients, uh, probably because I have too much free time on my hands sometimes, and, but also because I, I do it for the greater cause. Uh, that's my excuse for everything. So um, I'm looking for an RSS reader that allows me to see articles inside the folder, sorting them by popularity instead of date or name. And I don't think this exists. I know that Feedly uh, does that to an extent when you go to the website. I think there's a popular filter on the on the homepage. And I... And, uh, but I, I don't think that any other service has a popularity uh, filter. So for context, I switched from Feed Wrangler to Feedly uh, last year, last summer, because, uh, you know, I, for the same reason, it's just instead of switching in January, I switched in June to get a better, a better understanding of what, uh, what, other, what other people are using. I think, uh, I think it is a common geek mistake to get too entrenched in a single, in a single idea. Or belief, um, mm. so I switched to Feedly uh, to see what was up with that. Uh, also, because two years ago um, I bought a lifetime Feedly Pro subscription. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. It was like one of five thousand, so I think I got a pretty good deal because it was limited. Uh, but now you're forced to use it. No, it's not that I'm forced. I have a. Re- um, let's say that that I. That, Maybe when I use it, I don't feel bad, you know, because, hey, I'm actually using this. Um, yeah. So it's I like... switched to Feedly. <laughs> <laughs> so so switched... just a Mike's hardware buying problem you do with software yes. services. And apps. Okay. Yes, absolutely. Okay, I just want to double um, check that. That's good. Not on my own mm-hmm. here. Yeah. <laughs> we still haven't, we still haven't talk, spoke about that cup. Anyway. Yeah, that's going to be a whole episode. <laughs> 
news readers. Yes, last year I switched from Feed Wrangler to Feedly, and I used Feedly first with the Reader, then I switched to Newsify, which is a fantastic RSS reader for iOS. And I especially like the Newsify is fast, and it lets you customize the way that you share articles. You can assign a single tap and hold on the article list to bring up the system share sheet. Uh, so you can you can send articles to extensions, which is nice. And the app is, you know, it's clean, polished. It's got a freemium uh, business model, which I think it's mar- uh, it's really smart considering uh, the modern app store. But now, like, I use Twitter lists a lot, and I use Nuzzle to catch up on Twitter and articles that people share when when I'm away. But now I'm wondering, okay, so RSS is my file system for news. And I want to be able to open RSS, um, depending on the time that I have, uh, I want to see either all, all articles in, in, on a, on a, from newest to oldest, because that's just how I work. I know, Stephen, that upsets you, because it should be from oldest to newest. But, you know, uh, you were going to say that, right? No, I... I... No? Okay. Um, I, in Reader, I have I have stuff set newest to oldest. Oh yeah, I um, yeah. must be confused. I think that's some, sometimes you 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 used to 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 say that that uh, anyway. <laughs> so put words I, in my mouth, Federico. On, yeah, <laughs> my, I'm fine. My, my fault. So um, depending on the time that I have, I want to be able to look at articles, uh, either all of them or or just the popular ones, and. Yesterday, I asked on Twitter, is there a way to sort uh, tweets in a Twitter list by popularity based on retweets and faves? And it doesn't seem that there's a way to do that, but that would be pretty smart, you know? Uh, And I think the problem is that Twitter doesn't care about lists or uh, the list API. So my my idea was, okay, maybe there's an RSS reader that does this, uh, so I was like, okay, I'm using Feedly. Uh, is there a way to do this in Feedly? It doesn't, I couldn't find a way to sort articles on popularity, whether it's, you know, how many people are reading these articles or maybe are sharing this article. Uh, so I, basically, I signed up uh, in this, I had this realization. It was like when you're in the desert and you see, and you see water, um, and, I, I, and I signed up for Newsblur. Oh no! So, so this is an entirely different RSS service. What? Uh, what? <laughs> Did you sign up for a lifetime account by any chance? No, 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 no. But yeah, it was really cute, and 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 there's this single guy making this service, and there's a picture of his dog, and and it's like if you pay for the service, you're gonna feed my dog for twelve days, and I thought that was really cute and funny. So I signed that up. That sounds terrible, uh, though. <laughs> no. Only twelve days. Yeah, but there's seven thousand people. Using the, the pro service. Oh, well, then so you, you can, don't need to feed the dog. The dog's fed. So how, how many days is the dog going to live if you do 7,000 for 12? Do you pay a year? What do you pay? You pay a year. Yeah, so well, that's, that's more than... 80,000 days. 80,000 days 
Yeah, Come see, on, that's 230 years. This, this dog is going to live a lot with our food. Yeah, this dog's uh, fine, man. <laughs> yes, it, it, she's fine. Uh, but anyway, the picture was really... <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 the photo was really cute. It's all it and, takes. You put a picture of your dog and, and Federica will buy your service. True story. Oh, true story. There was, also, there was also a problem for me with Plex. Uh, every time they have an update, they, uh, they, they share, uh, like in the blog post, on the company blog, every time there's a new feature, they use a photo of, a, of, a, of the dog, like uh, Berkeley, uh, the, the Plex dog. And every time I see the, the, the Plex blog posts, I want to try out the new features that just to, uh, just, you know, to, to feel a connection with... Um, anyway, I'm just weird with dogs. Uh, um, so there was a picture of a dog, and I signed up for News Blur, because, also because there's a real reason, not just a, not just a cutesy one. Um, basically... Newsblur lets you... So it's ugly, okay? <laughs> it, it doesn't look uh, really uh, pleasant. It's a, it's, it looks like a Windows file system, uh, slightly polished up. Um, it, it's kind of weird, really. It looks like a, like a, like a dashboard for, for links. I don't know. Um, it lets you train the service to specific um, keywords uh, or titles or authors in RSS uh, items. So if you say, okay, I want to see more of this topic, or I want to see more of this author, or I want to see less from this specific source, if you train the service with time, there's a focus mode in the app. So you can, you can view RSS articles. Uh, there's uh, three sections. All, which shows you all articles, unread, which shows you new stuff, and focus, which shows you uh, the important stuff. So my idea was, okay, if I train this service enough, maybe one day I will be able to, to open the app and go to the focus mode and I will see all of the important stuff. But then again, th like, if I train this service, it is not going to be about popularity. It is going to be about the stuff that I instruct the service to, to look for. So it's not strictly about the number of shares and the number of hits that an article gets. It's just about, you know, keywords and stuff. So we'll see. I don't know, because uh, Newsblur also has comments, which is kind of weird. You can comment in an RSS reader because it's kind of like a social platform. You can follow people there. Um, search is, is it like it's crazy fast. I was able to find RSS articles from 2011 in two seconds. Uh, it goes way, way back in, in years. I, I don't know how to do it, but I guess that uh, when you give it uh, a subscription, it tries to load as many articles in the past as possible. That, that's kind of cool. Still, it, it does look pretty terrible. Yeah, it's, I, I checked it out right after Google Reader died. I, I looked at a lot of services, and it's definitely uh, <laughs> not real pretty on the eyes. But if you use it with a third-party app, I guess you're sort of shielding yourself from that a little bit. What do you guys um, use for, for RSS these days? Uh, Feed Wrangler and Unread on my iPhone. It's, it's the only, only service and app that I use. Yeah, I'm, uh, I use Feedbin for the service and then uh, Unread on iOS and Reader on the, uh, on the Mac. Mm -hmm. So there's no way to, at least on, in the apps that you guys use, there's no way to, to sort articles based on popularity no. in RSS. No. no, but but I view something like Nuzzle. Like I 
nuzzle yeah. for me kind of fills that need. I don't necessarily want to look at my news that way all the time. So it's, I kind of view that as like separate from the way I read RSS, but maybe that's just me. RSS and just getting news is just not an important thing for me. Like I find out about everything I need to find out about through osmosis on Twitter. Like it just is there. People are talking mm-hmm. about it. I, I don't have a business which relies on news quickly, you know? Mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I don't need to post links and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And pretty much all of the topics on the shows tend to be what everybody's talking about. So mm-hmm. so I have last uh, my last two uh, items. Um, Zapier, it's basically an IFTTT for geeks. I know that IFTTT is already for geeks. This is basically the more advanced version. This is uh, no, this is for Federico. That's <laughs> no, there's plenty for. of people using it. Not just not me. Don't make me sound like the crazy person every time. Mm. Uh, you do a good job on your. Own. Mm. <laughs> I looked at it uh, the, actually a couple of weeks ago, maybe, and it seems uh, it's crazy, really crazy. Yes, it is. So you can. So it's a web automation. You can connect multiple services together. Uh, IFTTT calls them like channels and recipes. Uh, Zapier calls them like uh, just I think apps and and zaps oh. and action. Yeah, and actions. Whatever the terminology is, kind of weird, but the functionality is amazing. So um, you can do stuff like you can create conditions for ifs. You can, uh, there's a, a free uh, service that you use in combination with Zapier called the Zapier Email Parser, uh, which looks for specific, uh, like, strings of text in emails, uh, and, 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 and you can extract that text and use it as a placeholder uh, in other, uh, like, in other actions. You can do stuff like... Uh, just it just offers more data when you're trying to create an action, uh, like it allows you to 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 like all the different tags and variables. Uh, it's just m- much more 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 than than IFTTT. You can create um, you can create different uh, you can use different accounts for the same service. So you can connect like two Google Docs accounts or two Twitter accounts, and you can view a full history of all your actions and whether they worked or not. And if they didn't work, you can basically there's a debug mode, uh, and you can understand why you're not, uh, you know, a piece of data is not getting from service A to service B. And in general, it's just a more advanced. It's basically yeah. IFTTT for power users. And I, it's, a, yeah. it's also sort of expensive looking at this pricing. It is expensive. I mean, I'm paying 20 bucks a month to, yeah. to use this. So right now I'm doing stuff like I can post to different Slack channels uh, f- using email. Uh, that's kind of nice, but not like a must have for me. What isn't a nice uh, addition to my workflow is... Um, I'm getting notifications in Pushover, which is this uh, notification iOS app. Um, every time uh, specific Twitter accounts or Apple's YouTube channel or Apple's um, uh, press release websites posts a new item, 
I get a notification on my device. And because I'm paying for the 20 bucks a month account, I'm getting those notifications in under two minutes. They say 15 minutes, it's actually much, much faster than that. I would like to, to have like, like to know that it's not gonna be 15 minutes because in my experience, it's never been 15 minutes. Uh, I'm also using other stuff, like I get a notification every time our newsletter goes out on MailChimp. Uh, what else? I'm doing stuff to like save my RSS articles from Mac Stories to a Google Sheets uh, spreadsheet. So I'm kind of curious to see whether this, uh, because I, I think I, I, stumble, I stumble across many limitations with IFTTT, and I want to see whether the, my problem is the lack of options in IFTTT or maybe that I just don't rely on web automation that much. So I just wanted to, to shake things up a bit and see uh, what's up with my web automation. You guys use IFTTT? Uh, not really, no. I mean, not really. There are a couple <laughs> of things that IFTTT does for me, but I don't use it as such. Like, it's not something that I'm always adding to, like workflow, which I love. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I play with it, but I don't rely on it for anything on any regular basis. Um, I, I had some stuff like archiving to Evernote, note, like, you know, Twitter favorites to Evernote, that sort of thing, a while ago, but I sort of lost interest in it, and I don't think I have anything running currently. Right then, gentlemen, do you have anything else we'd like to add on this week's show? Or are we good? Are we good to bring it home? I, I think we're good, Mike. I do want to say one thing. I don't have the new fave animation that everybody has on Twitter. No. I don't have it. Like, I don't know why my are app's Are you using Twitter on the iPhone? Yeah. On the iPhone. Are you sure? Yes. I'm well, sure I'm using Twitter yeah. on the iPhone. No, I'm using it on my Mac. Of course it's my iPhone. I don't I have the, the animation. I, I have think the there is. This is your punishment. This is your punishment. Twitter, Twitter like... A, B test things even within their own app. So maybe you're just not in the test group. So I'm in like the B group, like the, the B minus minus group. Everyone's like, I love this animation. I'm like, what are you talking about? It's just the same as it was before. There you go. And so. you're sure you updated the app? 100%. I even deleted it and reinstalled it. Wow. wow, you really wanted it. Well, <laughs> you really wanted to see I don't know it. why Mike, I'm not getting Mike, it. The animation is so good, Mike. I know, everybody. I've seen <laughs> GIFs. I've seen you, GIFs. You really got to see them in action, man. It's, it's so good. I can't wait until Twitter does something you hate. Seems impossible. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's wrap it up. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Connected. You can find the show notes at relay.fm slash connected slash 21. Thanks so much to our sponsors this week, our friends over at Hover and Loot Crate. If you want to find us online, I am at iMike, I-M-Y-K-E. Federico is at Vitici, V-I-T-I-C-C-I. And Stephen is at ISMH. Stephen writes to fantastic512pixels.net. And Federico writes the great maxstories.net. And I host many shows at relay.fm, which you can find at relay.fm. And thanks so much for listening. We'll be back. Say goodbye, boys. Arrivederci. Adios, amigos. Bye. <laughs>